Hello, listeners. Uh, we're releasing this episode. Uh, today is September 23rd, 2020. Uh, on this day, we found out what was going to happen to Breonna Taylor's killers, uh, which is that they would not be held responsible for their crimes. Only one of the three officers who was involved in her murder was charged, and he was only charged with, I believe, like reckless endangerment or wanton endangerment uh, because they fired uh, bullets that put her neighbors at risk, her white neighbors. Um, and so there's still not been justice for Breonna Taylor, and it doesn't look like there will uh, ever be uh, justice for Breonna Taylor. So um, in light of that, we just wanted to come on quickly and discuss um, sort of what's going on before we get into a, a pretty silly and, and fun episode. Um, but we did want to acknowledge the seriousness of this moment. Um, uh, I'm John, I'm joined as always by Rachel and Ben. Hey. Hey guys. Hey folks. Well, yeah, yeah Ben, go ahead. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm today was just another day where, you know, it, I, I felt like I got kicked in the stomach and just, you know, I, I can only imagine what everybody else feels like. Um, what about y'all? Well, <clears throat> Yeah, it feels like shit. It's also, I think for a lot of people, it's not surprising um, that this is what happened. I think that, you know, somebody pointed out that the, that uh, Brianna was killed uh, during the execution of a no-knock warrant, and those warrants are signed by judges. And so, really, this isn't just about cops, right? Like, we know this. This is about the entire legal system being... Um, absolutely uh, inconsiderate of human lives, but particularly in its execution of Black lives. And it's very frustrating to see just continually at every level um, the failure to actually reckon with what's going on and what kind of human rights violations are just written into law, essentially. Oh, Rachel, I, you know, this is exactly how this works. The, the system functioned exactly as it's designed to, and this is the outcome that you get in this system. Um, this is a, a police department that is in deep with the, um, the worst kind of sickos who are pursuing felony charges against uh, as many Section 8 residents as possible in order to get them evicted from their Section 8 housing in order to uh, transfer that land to developers to gentrify it. This is, you know, this is the police doing exactly what they are designed to do, which is to serve the interests of capital. This is, I mean, th this is a, a loss today that was predictable and that should not ever happen. But um, yeah. this, is, this is the system working. Well, and, and I think that serves as a good reminder that um, there, so there is no, you can't reform this. This is not something that is going to be fixed by some changes in legislation. This is a, this is the way that the system works. It is deeply entrenched and not just in the Louisville, um, a police department, but in every police department. And I'm begging the listeners to go look at what has happened in their own cities. Cause I can tell you right now there, I guarantee you 
that there are similar um, murders and, and acts of violence that have happened at the hands of your local police department. I know it's happened in Greensboro. It's happened in the triad. It's happening everywhere. And it's not something that we are going to be able to vote out. And it is certainly not something that we are going to be able to reform. That's right. And, and it's time to, to get in the streets. Um, and we've talked about this before. Um, but um, the time is now to act and to do something. And if your response to this begins and ends with telling people to vote, um, you need to just shut up. Um, I mean, the time to act is now. Um, and so um, to that extent, you know, people are getting out in the streets already. Um, I was just seeing on um, Twitter that there have been reports and, and video of Boogaloo Boys already showing up um, heavily armed. So uh, we're encouraging you to, um, if you can't get out in the streets, um, to go and donate to the bail funds uh, for the protesters. And we're going to put the link to that uh, in the notes, uh, right at the top of the notes of this, uh, of this episode. So there's one more thing that I want to add, and it's something that has been pointed out by a lot of black organizers that um, the, the way that Breonna Taylor's death has become a meme, um, and we've seen very powerful people kind of just uh, recklessly posting about Breonna Taylor, um, that is exactly uh, the problem. <laughs> So this is not something that can be memed away. This is not something that you can that we can solve on the internet. This is something this is not something that we can solve in a presidential election. It's not even something you can solve in a local election. But you need to start join a fucking organization. Start paying attention to what your local government is doing. You should, I guarantee you, there are organizations that have been calling for defunding the police since before this happened. I know for a fact that's true. So find out what those organizations are and work with them because that's the only way that we're really going to find, to, to see an end to this ever. You have to, we have to be on the ground all the time. Not just when things are particularly bad or when something absolutely shockingly terrible happens. This is an all the time 24-7 thing. That's what anti-racism is. And that's what justice is going to have to be. I agree. Yeah, the time to organize is now. Get in an org and, you know, make this world a fucking better place for fuck's sake. Um, well, John, so, what's the what's the next apocalyptic nightmare that we're going to have to cover before one of these episodes? I man, I hope we never have to do this again. <laughs> I really hope. Yeah, I mean, it's just is- it's so insane. Like, like I just paid my car tax to the city, and I'm like, how the fuck? You know, like, can you imagine sending your car tax money in to go to a settlement? of 12 million fucking dollars because your psychotic white supremacist murdering police force shot somebody. Yeah. Fucking damn it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that's important. Like when, when these fucking pigs do this shit, they do it in our name and on our behalf. And it's up to us to tell them that that's not what we want and that we won't stand for it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. Well, uh, listeners, uh, you know, 
hopefully you can enjoy the, the episode and, and have a good time with us uh, as we do that. But um, I'm going to close as a Kentuckian. I dropped the music of a, of a fellow Kentuckian, uh, Tyler Childers, who just released uh, Long Violent History, uh, his like fiddle album that ends with this song um, called Long Violent History that's about what's going on right now. Um, so we're going to play that. Uh, and then we're going to segue into the episode and have some fun. So uh, What's we this hope you en- this episode is, um, why would you ask me that? <laughs> you could uh, it's the, uh, it's big girls don't cry. Oh yeah. oh yeah. This is a good one. Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, it's a, it's a fun episode. We're going to talk about Chris taking acting classes, uh, mm-hmm. and some of Tony's crazy adventures and, uh, uh, our boy Furio makes quite an entrance in this episode. So, uh, it's be a like good Furio tonight. Louisville, be like, be like Furio tonight. Go yeah, fuck I shit mean, up. Yeah, go, go fuck, fuck shit, shit up. up. Um, so, uh, we hope you enjoy the episode, and we hope that you will make sure that you donate if you can to the bail fund. Again, I'm putting that link in the notes to this episode. Um, anything else you guys want to say before we close out? Fuck right. the police. Yeah. Fuck the police. All right. Uh, This is Tyler Childers, uh, Long Violent History. It's the worst that it's been since the last time it happened. It's happening again right in front of our eyes. There's updated footage, wild speculation, tall tales and hearsay and absolute lies. Being passed off as factual, but actually the actual causes they're awkwardly blocking the way. Us all from enjoying our evening, shoving its roots through the screams in our face. Now, what would you get if you heard my opinion? Conjecturing on matters that I ain't never dreamed. In all my born days, as a white boy from Hickman. Based on the way that the world's been to me It's called me belligerent It's took me for ignorant But it ain't never once made me scared just to be Could you imagine just constantly worrying Kicking and fighting Stark raving anger Looking for answers And on to the teeth 30-06s Papa's old pistol How many you reckon Would it be four or five Or would that be the start Of a long 
history of tucking our tails as we tried to abide. Or would that be the start of a long violent history of tucking our tails as we tried to abide? The gabagool. We had sandwiches brought in the other night. Forward ham, salami, gabagool. Taking the gabagool and shit out of the fridge. Gabagool. Over here. All this from a slice of gabagool. Let's get back to that gabagool. Welcome to Gabagool and Roses, the only and best leftist Sopranos podcast. My name is John. I've seen The Sopranos a bunch of times. My two co-hosts are Rachel and Ben, and they've never seen The Sopranos before. And we go episode by episode and talk through the episode uh, and break down any leftist themes that we can find uh, or, you know, sort of social justice themes or, you know, whatever we see in there that we think is worth talking about. And uh, we talk to you about it in your ear holes. Uh, episodes come out whenever I feel like it. I, I say every week, but fuck you, I'm busy. Uh, anyway, hello to my two co-hosts. It's been a while since we recorded. Rachel, how are you? Hi, I'm I'm hanging in there. How are ben? you, John? I'm I'm good. Ben, how are you doing, bud? You know, I'm doing great. I'm happy to see you all and hear from you, and looking forward to talk about this dope ass episode. <clears throat> It's good. It's yeah, Ben. You said that you were very excited to mm-hmm. discuss this episode. You have lots of theories and things to discuss. I do. I really do. <laughs> oh God, I have so much to talk about. Okay, y'all are gonna be so, so sick of hearing my voice at the end of this. Uh, great. There, let's see. There will be. Uh, let's put it at the front of the show. I will be spoiling the Glass Menagerie for you today. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh if, yeah also if you haven't watched the episode yet spoilers for the end of rebel without a cause <laughs> you haven't right. seen that dusty old chestnut yeah so uh so you're warned yeah okay uh so yeah i guess initial reactions ben you said you are excited about the episode you enjoyed it mm, you know i wouldn't say that i mean it was, it was okay <laughs> you know it was it's another one of those episodes to me that's kind of like boca where it's just like uh, hard to, you know, not exactly the most entertaining stuff to watch, but it, to me, it's fertile ground for uh, talking or yapping. There's yeah. there's not a lot of plot in this episode, for sure. Um, we are moving pieces around and doing a lot of deep character development in this episode, for sure. Uh, bringing back some old faves. Um, Rachel, what did you think? I... I, I would say I agree with Ben. It was a, a very fun episode superficially. Like, there's a lot to talk about in terms of the characters, and some there's some good, uh, there are some good bits 
that I am excited mm -hmm. to talk about. Of course, I can't wait to get into Chris's storyline, but we can, oh. we can, yeah, <laughs> I'm just so excited. <laughs> What'd you think of that episode, John? Uh, I uh, enjoyed it. I was, I thought you folks would not appreciate it as much or enjoy it as much um, because it is not really plot heavy, like I said, so. Um, it I'm, turns I'm out like, that, John, maybe you don't know everything about how we are going to feel. And it's not the story. Hmm. It's how it's told. Interesting. Okay, thank you, uh, Rachel and Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you for the, mm -hmm. those insights. <laughs> so, Immortal techniques through Lin-Manuel in the trash can. <laughs> and should do it again and again and again. Uh, he's the weakest fucking part of that uh nasty colonizer musical um yeah with its slave owner apologia uh it's God, a bunch he, of bullshit read howard's so, in motherfuckers he's so fucking outmatched it like yeah. it's amazing whatever so yeah we're not gonna talk about hamilton fuck Fuck that. hamilton uh yeah subscribe to our patreon and give us some money and, and if you want us to talk please about god and we'll watch it rachel you've never engaged with hamilton correct no, but I will for a Patreon episode. All right, yeah. Send us money and we'll do us Hamilton. Goddamn, we'll do a Hamilton episode. Or um, send us money and we won't talk about it. Ooh, blackmail. That, yes. I don't know that that works because no one's forcing anyone to listen to this podcast yet. Anywho, so the name of this episode, I should say, is uh, Big Girls Don't Cry. This is season two, episode five. At the beginning of the episode, Chris goes into uh, an underground brothel. Uh, I mean, obviously underground. Uh, and he's shaking these guys down, uh, the owner and his wife down for money. Um, they're holding out on him. They're, they're snorting coke, putting the money up their nose instead of uh, into Chris's pocket. He gets mad about it. Yeah, and then we'll, we will come back and revisit this couple later uh, with uh, a new friend from Italy. Uh, so, uh, did you guys have any thoughts about this this opening scene in the in the brothel? Um, yeah, I'll jump into my thought immediately. Uh, Go this for is, it, bud. Um, yeah, one of the things that I think that we should all uh, take a moment from time to time and, and recognize is that there is. Uh, it, it's to me, it's hard to tell whether this is coerced uh, sex work or if this is. Um, or, or not, you know, I don't, I had a hard time figuring out whether these are uh, trafficked uh, people or not. Um, and so I've, I've done some work uh, touching on this subject, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, you know, relatively uh, legit looking places that are actually fronts uh, for rub and tugs or whatever. You've um, done a lot of work on that? I, yeah, I, he did some research for a football team owner. <laughs> Down in Florida, yes. trying to find the best one for him. Right, right. Yeah. No, I forget so, that guy's name. What's that guy's name, Ben? Bob uh, we probably Robert shouldn't Kraft. say it. No, okay, I was joking. Okay. Yes, I know it's Robert Kraft. Fucking sue me. Sue me for defamation, <laughs> dumb bitch. Well, he did get, like, <laughs> yeah, fuck uh, you, Robert Kraft. All right. So, anyway, the point is, um, you know, definitely it, it will it will surprise you how prevalent it is if you don't already uh, keep that in mind or if you don't already know that. Um, one uh, resource that you can use to figure out whether your local salon is a brothel is uh, an app called Rub Maps. No, uh, I'm going to lose my no, mind, dude. 
dude, I told you I had a lot to talk about this episode. Is uh, he created a step-by-step guide to people? No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm not saying get on there and use it. What I'm saying is, you know, keep an eye out. It's it's happening in plain sight. You know, check to see what's going on in your community. Make sure your places are legit. If they're not, uh, definitely fucking tell someone because these sex trafficking rings, they are very uh, fucking broad and scary uh so keep an eye out so your uh, tell me the name of the app again I it's can't. a website it's called rub maps and that's to find legitimate places because it sounds like it's to find illegitimate places no you're right it's it's to find places where you can get yourself a uh hand job if you'd like gotcha okay and so it's it's a resource it's an unwitting resource for um, for individuals who are looking to ferret out sex trafficking rings because they you know very heavily self police. So uh, so hold on. So it it is unwitting. So the rub maps people <laughs> didn't create this with the purpose of this is a rub and tug place, but just the internet turned it into this is how this is how you find rub and tugs. Opposite. It's it's okay. like we like getting jacked off. Uh, at nail salons, and if you want to find a nail salon that'll jack you off, go to this website. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. And Is it the same people that do weed maps? I don't think so. Okay. I don't know. All right. Um, interesting. Okay. So, uh, so, so don't. So we should tell our listeners. I'm still sorry. I'm still confused on this. They should not visit Rub Maps for any legitimate purpose. Yeah, you, yeah, do, mm, no. Do not use rub maps as it was designed, but instead okay, use it. I see. Use it to call the fucking pigs to raid these fucking No, places. hold on a second. No, no, yeah. you don't use it to call the pigs to raid <laughs> those places, because guess who ends up getting fucked up because of that? The sex workers, mm-hmm. the people yes. who are being trafficked. So maybe don't call the pigs, how about this? <laughs> Instead, get plugged into your local community organizations that are hopefully working towards decriminalizing sex work and mm-hmm. providing resources to people who may or may not be trafficked. And don't try to become a vigilante who mm-hmm. uses a fucking app to, to as you said, ferret out <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm disagreeing with you. The only good thing that law enforcement does is break up uh, human trafficking rings and sex trafficking rings. And that's literally the only... They don't even do a good job at it, and they end up... they. Oh, yeah, okay. no, you're right. You're right. They suck Y'all at doing it. this? <laughs> yeah, we are. Hands on heads. I'm going like this. Undercover. I'm pulling my hair out. Y'all are going like this. Oh, it's so casual. Don't call the cops. Right. Yep. This is this is one of those hard things that uh that I'm gonna. I don't know what to do, man. <laughs> you all like, can ag- agree to disagree on this uh, on this front. You have different experiences in the world that have led you to different conclusions, and I think that's okay. Yes, I have not um, used rub maps for uh, any jacking off for its intended purpose. Okay, correct. And correct. I have, and I'm saying that's how you should be using it. <laughs> All right, this uh, is this is a good talk. This anyway, is good. this is good. No, Conflict good. is good. No, yeah. it's fine. 
Okay, so but ben, but anyway, <laughs> hold on, Rachel. Rachel's right though. Like, there's definitely a um, you know, that's one of the huge failings of the criminal justice system is uh, you know, victim support and uh, victim resources and uh, trafficking victims have such a fucking hard time getting uh, back on track, especially after you know having so much of their time spent. Uh, you know, isolated from everyone they love and care about and, and you know, just starting from scratch after having that stigma placed on you. I couldn't imagine how fucking difficult it is. And so uh, any anybody out there with good resources uh, to um, trafficking victim uh, support groups or anything like that, we'd love to signal boost them as much as possible, if possible. Um, if you, any of you guys have any ideas either, that would be cool to put in the show notes yeah tweet them and then you know like rachel said definitely get involved in organizations that are working on decriminalizing sex work uh and uh making sex work safe mm-hmm. um yeah i'm specifically referring to coerced sex work. right of course of course yes. and trafficking is i mean trafficking is different these are oftentimes mm-hmm. uh women who are kidnapped or sold into um basically sexual slavery um mm-hmm. so um, rough stuff to start us off with, <laughs> Jesus Ben, uh, when there's not even really any mention or reference to traffic sex workers in the episode, but uh, all right, good info to have, <laughs> Look. Uh, for sure, good discussion about, you know, we do, as, as, as uh, principled leftists, we do all believe in the decriminalization of sex work, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yes, uh, sex work is exploitative, but so is every other kind of work under capitalism. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, let's uh, smash that fucking system up and get us some uh, liberation. Okay. While you're at it, smash that like and retweet button. <laughs> like and subscribe. Ring the bell, folks. Anyway, okay. Um, yes. After Chris visits the massage parlor slash brothel, uh, he, you know, Adriana's bugging him because they're going to be late for something. She's going to lose her money. Uh, and it turns out that what she has done is bought Chris acting, acting for writers classes uh, in New York city. Uh, and so she takes Chris and drops him off at his first acting for writers class, uh, where his first lesson is uh, how to be an actor that shows up on time, according to his, uh, his professor. Now I don't have much experience in the acting arts or whatever uh do you all have you all done did you all do acting growing up much Rachel weren't you in like the weren't you in like the film program or something I was not in the film program I was in I was vice president of the temple film collective uh Mm. ultimately leading to its demise but I since I was a child have been something of a performer would it surprise you to know and so I've been in a few plays, and I've been in a few creative endeavors. <clears throat> mm. Have either of you taken like a writing class kind of thing? Yeah, <laughs> writing any spec scripts? Mm-hmm. I have written scripts, uh, and I've done writing workshops, and um, oh, I've also taken improv classes and done improv. So okay. I think a lot of this really resonated with me. 
Your uh, earrings are, I think, hitting your oh, microphone. Fuck, but they're so dramatic and cool. They're very dramatic and dangly, and they are also creating a ton of noise. Okay, well, you should have told me before we started recording. I, they just started because you oh, were dramatically very... moving around. Yes. <laughs> yep. Um, but... um, okay, so... Uh, Ben, how about you? Did have you ever taken any acting classes or anything like that? Uh, no, but I did do creative writing at Virginia Tech. I took like nine credit hours worth of it, and that totally fucking helped. Helped with what? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. No. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So I uh, I did some like middle school plays. I was Macduff in Macbeth. Wow. Uh, oh, I was in Annie. I played like three shitty parts. Uh, then I went to high school and decided that was dark shit. Um, and uh, and and I haven't really done any of that. So uh, the the acting class dynamic seemed very. I mean, I'm trusting that like these television writers and producers know what those rooms are like, right? So mm-hmm. um, it seemed very authentic to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like. Shout out to HBO, uh, Barry. Uh, yeah. Barry, uh, I got vibes from Barry. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yeah. Barry is fucking so good. If you haven't seen Barry, like, go watch Barry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so good. So, yeah, he uh, he gets to class, and they're all introducing themselves. Uh, there is this, uh, this doofus white guy named Mitch. Is that his name? Itch, yeah. 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 And he, uh, oh my God, he just has such a punchable face. Um, <laughs> I did nothing wrong. I didn't, I didn't read did him that way at all. Oh, man, I didn't like him at all. But anyway. I so. mean, we find out he does have a very punchable face, in fact. Like, yes. Yes. It does get very punched. Who does have like, a punchable face to Chris Moltisanti when he's on Coke, though? That's the thing. True. Like, did he do drugs at all in this episode? Yes, he did. Yes, dude. He racks up a couple of big old rails and takes them right to the fucking dome. When? <laughs> oh my god! I Why forgot. do you talk like that? Because <laughs> he does. He did like one line of coke on his glass coffee table when he, he was practicing lines with uh, Adriana. Adriana. Okay. He he does. <laughs> All right, but he has like four lines cut out. He he's, does. He's you're right. Have, you're right. He's having a long night. Like anyway, uh, so yeah. So back to the acting class, right? Um, so Chris is. Uh, 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 what do they do in the first lesson? I can't remember. Improv. Improv, baby. I improv, wrote down. Right. Chris is an improv king. Yeah, he he calls the guy on his space work because he uh, he drops his oranges. Chris is rocking ass in these acting lessons. Mm-hmm. He is a he's star. Pretty, he's pretty good. Uh, and I think Imperioli does a good job, like acting like he's some like a, an amateur actor. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine that kind of that seems difficult to me. I don't know that it actually would be, but like to to be a good actor and to act bad on purpose mm-hmm. seems like it might be. A little difficult. Yeah, I feel like he did a good job, and yeah, there's always that kind of meta, that meta right. weirdness <laughs> whenever my, actors are playing actors. Yeah, my favorite is when Chris uh, says the line, "I got the bullets," <laughs> and it's very awkwardly delivered. Uh huh. I got now, the bullets. I got the bullets. Now I think 
this first scene where, uh, if I remember it correctly, the lady is driving home and she gets pulled over by a police officer and she's getting a ticket and they're, he's interrogating her about her eyeglasses or whatever. And then her husband comes out of the store carrying oranges. Correct. And the husband is the guy from uh, Office Space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my, the, the problem that I had with that plot continuity that the teacher came up with was... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Like, yeah, I mean, like, okay, she's driving, she gets pulled over, and then out comes her husband with a bunch of oranges. Yes. Yes. Ben, the acting exercise isn't the most yeah, continuitous plot, uh, whatever. I, shame, uh, yeah. shame. Yep. It's, it's improv, baby. They're making it up on the fly. So Chris is doing great. He, um, he is is a good actor. He gets assigned a um, a very interesting role as a gentleman caller in The Glass Menagerie, a uh, yeah. Tennessee Williams uh, art. Flashback to the Tennessee Multisanti reference from season mm-hmm. one. So Chris goes home and he's rehearsing this uh, scene with Adriana. And Adriana is playing Laura, which uh, if it's not already hilarious to you at that point, I don't know <laughs> what you're doing, but um, he's fucking bored reading it. Well, and I, anybody who's not familiar with Tennessee, Tennessee Williams might not understand that like this Tennessee Williams style is, is very particularly, I would say anti Chris Moltisanti. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is soft and it is layered with meaning and, and, you know, like subtlety. And it's very, it's not very, I don't know how to explain it. It is not something like the humor in it is very much because of how fucking nuts it is to have Chris play this part. Mm -hmm. The, The acting teacher clearly is like casting him against type, right? Like he's, he would not be your first, second or 30th choice to be in the glass menagerie but also of course because it's like tennessee williams is one of the the most you know prolific playwrights uh and like he should know who tennessee williams is right so he clearly does not yes (laughs) he clearly does not and so yeah he he wants to get out of the the scene this is where he uh he yaks up a big rail um Mm -hmm. And he gets very frustrated with the scene mm-hmm. uh, and tries to quit. Uh, and Adriana, Adriana's so sweet this whole episode. She's like very mm-hmm. supportive of him. And she's like, oh, come on, Christopher, please. Just try the acting, Christopher, please. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the, it gets even funnier when, you know, Chris throws his little temper tantrum about the, the scene because he's like, oh, he's obviously trying to fuck this girl. And it's like, right. it's not. <laughs> it's like literally, definitely not. <laughs> right. She's got a nasty hump or whatever. <laughs> oh, he says some yeah. fucked up shit. Mm-hmm. Chris is absolutely uh, not a great person. <laughs> uh, breaking news. Uh, we've just figured it out. Chris is the bad guy. Yeah, so he. Uh, called- he calls his uh, teacher and he's like, look, let me out of this part. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
No, no, he doesn't. No, no, no. I'm sorry. He he goes to the next session of class and he hands. That's right. It. He's like, I can't do it. And she's like, Fine. We, you know, uh, James Dean's character. And uh, somebody dropped out. Yeah. So they need a James Dean for this other scene, and Chris yeah. is gonna be James Dean. Uh, and uh, you know, he he practices at home with Adriana and. And Adriana is like really impressed with with how Chris is doing, and uh, she breaks character, and it, you know, Chris gets extremely upset. Um, he's, he's doing a great job. He's like actually like tearing up and crying, and she's, I think, just so taken aback, taken aback at seeing this different side of him that she like laughs a little bit. And he's mm-hmm. so fragile; his ego is so he's so fragile, so dude. fragile. Mm-hmm. That like he he completely or is this when he like freaks out and does a line of anyway he does a line of blow at some point, um, but yeah mm-hmm. uh, uh, he yeah it's just his male fragility is cannot handle this mm-hmm. whole fucking situation here so right and then he calls this is when he calls the teacher and she says um, or he says yeah. this character isn't me which. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is you. And she's like, she's like, no, you know, it's acting. You know, this is what you do. You get out of your comfort zone. And, um, and he shows up for game day, and he fucking knocks it out of the park. Uh, he, you know, he, aside from the here are the bullets, uh, Muppet <laughs> yeah. line delivery he gives, he's actually. Uh, you know, he, he, he's able to cry on command. Um, you know, he's very earnest in the way that he clings to Mitch. Uh, and he, and he hovers over whoever played, um, fuck, what's his name? Played yeah, it. The, guy, the guy that gets shot. Yeah. The way he zips up his jacket or like mimes zipping up his jacket is yeah. very, like very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he holds his hands and things like that. And I mean, it's, yeah. You know, he does a, a good job of acting and everyone's really pleased and um <laughs> you know for some he reason gets a big standing ovation and the the teacher even is like wow that was great or something like that uh, uh-huh. and then chris is crying and and runs out of the room again so fragile because somebody um, was like how oh, you cry i'll come back. yeah that's, that's right yeah well it's Which, also oh go ahead ben that's uh, all i was gonna say stupid um it's super easy to cry on command. It's not hard. Actors mm-hmm. are little babies. It's real easy. Well, I think that this is interesting because y'all are hitting one part, which is that he has a fragile ego and his like masculinity is so, uh, you know, fragile or whatever. But also, I think part of it is like, it's very funny because the whole time he's been, we've seen Chris, he's not very good at his job. And he, either his real job or his working for Tony, um, Mm -hmm. he is continuously like upset that he is not being praised more. And then finally he finds this thing that he's just fucking great at. Like the show goes out of its way to show us how good he is at this naturally. And he can't handle the pressure of being successful at something. And I think that's really interesting. And I like really wish that the show, I hope it gets more into like his old thing. He needs mm-hmm. to be in therapy is what I'm saying. He does. There you was know. a little bit. Um, I think 
you know, I've seen it, so I knew what was coming in this episode, but I think it does set you up a little bit at the beginning to think that Adriana got him therapy. Mm. Uh, She's like, if you're late for your appointment, or if you're late for your session, is what she says. If you're late for your session, uh, I can't get my my money back. So I think they're trying to maybe make you think that, but. uh, Yeah. But yeah, yeah, everybody in the show needs therapy, and Chris especially (laughs) needs therapy. For sure. Um, and, and, you know, they juxtapose what looks like, you know, a cathartic outlet for Chris against Melfi's therapy and Tony's obvious need for therapy, but, you know, attempt to find it with Ash and ultimately in the end of the episode back with Melfi. But, you know, this is, you know, as good of, of therapy as David Chase or Terrence Winter is willing to admit that that exists in this period of time, which I think goes to the point of uh, how little uh, the showrunner and the writer think of therapy. So so anyway, like, uh, you know, I think that, you know, they do this thing where this class session is like this perfectly fine substitute for therapy in these people's eyes. And, you know, in the show writer, showrunners and the episode writers' eyes in their estimation. And it's just like, is it, you know, is it really, you know, you know, a, a good analog for that? Or is it just, you know, symptomatic that, you know, all of this emotion is pouring out because you don't have a way to reconcile these issues with yourself? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And, and I mean, Chris is definitely in some sort of like emotional crisis or having some sort of emotional event at the end of it he's clearly dragged up and adriana mentions it later that like she thinks he dragged up memories of his own father and all that kind of stuff um and that's clearly i think what's what's going on in that in that scene for sure um okay so in the next the next time he goes to acting class uh then they're doing this a b exercise which chris gets up to do it with mitch again and a uh, great moment of, I think, comedy here. Mitch goes, hey, and then Chris socks him in the fucking face. Uh, and then proceeds to savagely beat the sh- Like, it goes from being very yeah. funny to being very not funny very yeah. quickly. Um, he's kicking the shit out of him. There's, like, blood and stuff coming out of his mouth. And it's, it's one of those moments where you see the gangsters in the show have to interact with the, the outside world, the real world, yeah. and not really be equipped to do that and not really understand the horror of their world uh, is, is when, when normal people perceive it, it's cranked up like tenfold in their minds. Like Chris is totally desensitized to something like this. Right. Um, But for all the people in the acting class, they're just like, Whoa, what the fuck? Um, And yeah, that would be uh, that would not be, fun to watch a dude just savagely beat the shit out of a guy. And shout out to the rest of the class for immediately rushing Chris. Yeah. And not being like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, And I love the acting teacher is like, hitting is not okay. Like he's a preschooler. Like we don't hit Chris. Yeah. Use Uh your word. I'm sure she realized that's how she needed to approach him. Like the first time he came to her and was like, I can't do this. Right. It's too hard. <laughs> um, so then that's, that's, that's it for Chris. We see him go back to his apartment. He gathers up all his stuff, 
tosses it in the trash Ola. Including his screenplay for You Bark, I Bite. You Bark, <laughs> I Bite. Great. No, terrible title. Oh, so it's bad. so bad. But I guess oh, I, we're also supposed to believe that he threw Made Man in the trash too, right? Oh, what a shame. Which, I guess um, so, yeah. in the mob storyline, we can kind of see that he was passed over for promotion. True. Yeah. So let's let's cut then Ooh. to our uh, Tony storyline. Um, Tony's very excited because Furio's coming to town, <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> Furio is finally going to come. He's Tony's trying to talk Artie into basically helping him get the visa immigration paperwork figured out. Tony's mm-hmm. like, I'll pay the guy. Uh, he's just going to work for you as a cheesemaker. Just make him buffalo mozzarella all day. Um, and by the end of it, he's talked to Artie into, into that. So um, Furio is coming over. He's looking gorgeous. Um, he really Tony, is. He's a fucking snack. He's a whole goddamn meal. He is. Um, Tony tells Polly that Polly's getting a bump up. It's going to be Tony in charge with Polly and Syl directly below splitting power. And then um, Pussy, Furio, Chris all reporting to um, to Polly and Syl because Tony's going to try to take a step back and distance himself from the government. So then, uh, so yeah, so, so Furio's coming over. Any thoughts generally on Furio coming over before we get into Furio specifics, I guess? Are we excited to add a new mobster to the cast? What do we think of the actor that plays Furio? Do we like Furio as a character? I'm pro Furio, yeah. Okay. Big time. You know, I, I think I think it's a um, important thematic uh, development because it's like, uh, you know, all these Americans here, you know, we can't sustain this thing we have, you know, with, you know, the current crop of people willing to participate in it. So we've got to go, you know, find people who are willing to, you know, to live by the code or whatever. And to me, you know, it, it seems like they recognize that they're in the twilight of their, of their enterprise. And the only way, you know, they're either recognizing clear eyed that they can't go on as is, or they're in denial that it's sustainable. So by bringing Furio over there, to me, I thought it was them saying, you know, well, hopefully Chris will get his act together or we're just giving up on this guy. Yeah, well, uh, if you remember from the last episode, Tony is so impressed by Furio, mm-hmm. um, by his commitment to, to jumping on the Don. Uh, he punches that old lady in the face. Um, I guess Tony decides he needs some of that. And uh, he gets exactly some of that. Um, oh, he's so proud. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Miriam comes uh, in hot. <laughs> yeah, and, so, and against the last episode also, there's all this talk about Chris possibly being up for a promotion. And, uh, right. you know, Tony at, at Furio's big, uh, you know, Carmella throne party uh, makes a reference to the fact that Chris is unreliable. Uh, you know, he's, he's surprised to see Furio and he's like, when... I didn't get the memo, and Tony says, would you have read it if you did? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. Tony's definitely 
lost some faith in Chris um, and this shows that. And maybe that's why Chris is throwing himself back in the play stuff again, the, the movie writing stuff um, is because he maybe feels the, the breath on the back of his neck mm-hmm. from, from old Tony S. Um, so yeah. So, um, so after Tony announces that to Polly, uh, we, we have a brief scene uh, where he goes, uh, well, he found out the reason he smashes the phone is because Janice, uh, he finds out Janice is trying to take a loan out on his mother's house. So he goes over there to confront her and Richie April is there. Uh, some uh, morning after action. We all knew it was coming. Yeah, so... John, um, you're, you're in real estate. How easy is it for a non-owner of a house to secure a mortgage against a piece of property that they don't own? Uh, yeah, that would not happen, Ben. Hmm. That would not happen. Uh, but I can see... I can see Janice being so fucking stupid that she, uh, she goes and tries to take out a loan on a house she doesn't have an ownership interest in. Uh, hmm. I could definitely see that. Um, so, uh, so at the end of it, uh, Richie says that he will give Janice the money and Tony's just like, this is too fucked up. Fuck this. And he's just going to leave Richie and Janice to their, their fucked up business. <laughs> Tony literally cannot motherfucking handle that Richie and Janice want to be together. Again. Again. Again and he's right. so mean. Tony? Yeah, Tony's very mean about Uh Janice. Yeah, well, Richie's also a big piece of shit. Well, so. I agree, but, like, still, maybe Tony doesn't have to be like, oh, she's ugly. That's true. He does <laughs> say that there were there are men better looking than his sister in prison. Yeah! Fuck! Which, like, I think is not true. Janice is very beautiful. She's very 90s, uh, <laughs> 90s kind of cool gal. The aunt, yeah. Not my type. I mean, ben, get the <laughs> fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> if you're not sexually attracted to Janice, then you're going to All right. Uh, Look, I'm, I'm I am going to all... go make our own podcast. Right. We, uh, I stand Barb. Tony's <laughs> other sister. Yes. Barb is hot. Barb is hot. I'm not going to sit here and say Barb mm-hmm. isn't hot. Mm-hmm. But you know. <laughs> anyway, all right. Okay. Uh, so, um, Jesus. <laughs> uh, we have a, a brief little little rendezvous there with Richie. Um, just to be like, hey, remember Richie's still around? Because I don't think we've seen him in a couple episodes. Um, then there's a, there's just a brief scene of like Tony throws a party for um, for Furio at his house, and uh, I just want to mention that Junior stops by. Yeah. Junior and Bobby stop by, and Carm slams the door in his fucking face. Wait, okay, remind me. So yes, I made note of this. It was a great scene. How is Junior out? For health. Yeah. So he, but he's not on like house arrest or anything. He's just like literally just like chilling. He mm. is, if I remember. Yeah, he's he's definitely supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, but you can get. I mean, I don't know. He can maybe get a pass or something for different things. Oh well, I thought you that know, was a weird continuity issue. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. incredible what you know. Uh, having a a lawyer who you pay. 
a lot of money on your case, what they can do for you um, mm-hmm. is certainly. Uh, I guess that's right. Jeff Epstein was just like hopping out of his. Did little- you just call him Jeff Epstein? <laughs> <laughs> your good buddy Jeff. No, no. <laughs> You're on a first name basis, apparently. Everybody, you call him Jeffrey Epstein, Jeff Epstein. It's like, what's the difference? Yep, it's sure. like calling Charles Manson, Charlie Manson. Who cares? Bobby De Niro. Um, yeah, but right. the point is, you know, the point is, <laughs> like, you know, we've seen a huge uh, spike in contributions to bail funds across the country. And it's this shit that is so outrageous is that like you know mobbed up motherfucker like like junior who throws all his money at his lawyer is able to get all this you know extra treatment just you know by virtue of having the resources to spend on pretrial matters whereas you know half these folks locked up on misdemeanors awaiting trial can't even get out because they don't have any money or anything so donate to bail funds yeah. Yeah. There's a, I mean, there's a completely different legal system for people who have money from people who don't have money. Um, and it's, I mean, it really is. There's the, the saying is true that um, uh, a, a punishment, uh, a, a crime that is punished with only a fine just means that it's legal for people who have money. Uh, and to a certain extent, a lot of things, a lot of jail time can be waived if you're, if you're fucking, lawyer is good enough um Mm -hmm. and yeah that's anyway okay sorry (laughs) my thoughts aren't coming together very well today no no they Um, make perfect sense i just uh, keep want to talk i keep wanting to talk about jeff and cash bail yes in in cash bail for fucking sure um so uh so then we have a couple little things i just want to mention uh in addition to tony smashing the phone because janice tried to take out the loan we have an incident where he goes to talk to Hesh. Uh, and really, I think the whole point of this scene is just Tony's trying to make him and make Hesh into his therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Irina is back. Uh, they're on the Stugats, which is Tony's boat. Uh, and um, Tony has a little run in with the Russian guy on the boat next door when he says something to Irina. And Tony goes this and is grabs nuts. his. This is literally nuts. Um, goes and grabs this guy's balls and I guess mm-hmm. squeezes them real hard or something. This is a weird move. Ben, have you ever been in a fight and you grab somebody's balls? No. No. Uh, it's not a common move. Why I'd didn't you say. ask me that, John? Um, I haven't asked you that yet. Rachel. <laughs> uh, Fuck have off. Have you ever been in a fight with a guy and grabbed him by the balls? Not yet. Not yet. Oh. I hope you never get the chance. So, I hope I yeah. do. I hope it's at your wedding. Uh, <laughs> I hope it's you. I'm going to smash your, I'm smash you your balls on your, on your wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, yeah. So, Tony's clearly like, he needs the therapy again. Um, right. Hold on. Before we get out of the scene, uh, I need to comment on something. Tony has gone you know, he has left his boat to go over to the other boat. Irina has, is like, no, Tony, no, don't do it. And retreats back to the cabin of the boat 
and puts on yep. floaties. I yes, really needed on. to talk about this. <laughs> she does have on water wings, yeah. She's and wearing, it's like... Oh my God. And a sarong. A, a, and a, like a bikini and water wings. Oh, yep. Okay. Well, look. All right. Look, here's what we now know about Irina is she is Kazakh. Uh, she does not speak English. Seems very well. She's probably a recent immigrant. There's no reason for us to believe that she would know how to swim. I guess, except she lives mm-hmm. in fucking New Jersey and hangs out with Tony on a boat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think Tony's teaching her how to swim? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think he's more the like throw her in the deep end and see if she floats. And yeah, I, and also like, come on, Tony, just go fuck your gumar and just relax, buddy. God. Why you gotta go fuck up a perfectly good after day, afternoon? Like, so what if she's feeding the ducks Cheez-Its or cheese doodles? Like, relax. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that's another thing. The ducks are back. Like another symbol of like we're flashing yeah. back to season one again. Uh, Tony's worried about the ducks. He talks with Hash about being depressed every time he looks at his pool. Um, I really wanted to talk about the racial disparities in drowning and swimming lessons, and I don't. That's that's way off point, so we're going to skip that. Um, anyway. Uh, it's All right, look. Swimming lessons aren't often available to people in underserved communities, often black and brown people, and they uh, end up drowning at a much higher rate than uh, white people because they uh, are not taught how to swim. Um, so we need to make sure that swimming is part of... Uh, uh, swimming lessons are something that are available to uh, everyone. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so then I think what happens next is Tony and Furio go to the the massage parlor, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, Furio goes in and in an incredible scene. Yeah, it's a great very, scene. Very very well shot. Uh, just Furio is a, a nightmare. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He comes in, he, he has a baseball bat, or like a little baseball bat. He, uh, or like a club, I guess is what you call it. He immediately knocks out the security guard. Uh, the, the wife of the store owner is behind the uh, mm-hmm. table and he like knocks her down grabs the gun away from her, goes in the, like, smashes the fucking glass, goes in the back, beats the shit out of the guy, puts a fucking bullet in his knee, and then just straight up punches that woman in the face. Um, it's very, very brutal. Um, but Ben is right. It's a great, like, for all of its brutality, it's a really good scene. It's really well shot. And it cuts back to Tony sort of in the middle of this beatdown, uh, and he can hear the woman inside crying and screaming for mercy, and he's smiling and laughing and smoking a cigar. And it's like, all oh, right, yeah, you're a total psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, during, the, during, yes, during that call, uh, Melfi gives him a call and invites him back to therapy. So, uh, well, Melfi <laughs> drunk dials him. Uh, which is weird. We'll get into some of the Melfi stuff, but she has quite an episode this episode. Well, um, but yeah, she we... drunk dials him, invites him back to therapy. He's like, fuck that. I'm not going back to therapy. Or he's at least feeling like 
he's playing hard to get with Melfi is kind of what it felt like to me. Mm. Yeah, I could see that also. I think he is starting to realize he needs to go back to therapy, but he's not going to let her win that easily. Right, right. Um, But then I think the next time that we see Tony, he is back in therapy with Melfi. I was going to say, let's, I mean, we can knock out the Melfi storyline because it's not all that substantial. Yeah, we just see her in a series of uh, therapy sessions with Elliot, her her therapist. Um, the first one, she pulls a total Tony. She's like, fuck you, and walks out. Um, then the next one, she's like dealing with that. Um, and Elliot, I think, is correctly identifying that part of this for her is a thrill-seeking behavior. Strongly disagree. Okay, speak on that. All right, here we go. So my interpretation of Melfi's dream is uh you know if you recall she is driving past uh where tony has been launched through his windshield and he's sculpting a bottle of prozac Mm -hmm. and uh you know his name is on the label but anybody who's ever had a bottle of any prescription knows that the healthcare provider's uh name is on that as well the prescribing physician so my thinking is Melfi realizes, oh my God, um, you know, if this sort of thing were to happen, I am implicated and the people who are in Tony's life uh, would recognize me as, you know, a possible link between the feds and their enterprise uh, you know, by virtue of the fact that I've been treating this person. Um, you know, the, the idea, you know, and, and I think that's supported uh, with the Wizard of Oz song because when Dorothy and them are approaching the city of Oz, that's when they're playing out of the woods. And, you know, they're very fucking far from actual safety. You know, if you remember the Wizard of Oz, Oz sends them off to uh, some extremely perilous adventures. You know, people get kidnapped and, um, you know, and and my take is that Tony's death, if that were ever to happen, would also lead to some serious danger that Melfi would be in. Uh, so, you know, I think that that's something that that Melfi Melfi realizes that she needs to be in therapy. She needs to be in proximity to Tony so that she can uh, keep an eye out for whenever this sort of thing happens again, and so that. If she does need to go in hiding again, he will tell her because it served her, you know, although it greatly, you know, uh, inconvenienced her and it, you know, led to a a patient of hers committing suicide, she did stay safe. So that's, that's my take on it. Yeah, I think, I see what you're saying. I I mean, I, I, you know, I, I tend to agree with Elliot, I think, a little bit more. Like I said, I think that um, this seemed to make – because, you know, like you said, uh, treating him again could put her in, in danger again. Um, but I think – I don't know. Uh, I, well, I don't want to well, say – I can't say anything else at this time. Yeah, sure. No, I understand. I mean, my point is, like, Elliot thinks that she's gratifying herself. And I don't think – and I don't think it's gratification at all. I don't think it's it's something that she, I don't think it's recreational. I don't think it's, you know, therapeutic either. I think that it will, you know, exist to provide her peace of mind 
uh, knowing that, you know, if she actually is in danger, Tony is likely to know about it and will instruct her, you know, to, to vanish. So yeah. I, that's, that's my point. My point is, is Elliot is, is an idiot for thinking that she's horny for Tony. He does ask her, do you have sexual feelings towards yeah. him? Uh, and she says something like, no, he's such a little boy sometimes. Just mm-hmm. weird. Epstein-y. That's, uh, <laughs> uh, Rachel, did you have any thoughts on sort of Melfi's therapy sessions? And uh, I don't know. I was, again, like, I think she, I, I respect the opinion that she's an interesting and good character. I don't particularly feel that way. Uh, I was completely bored by her therapy sessions. I think that any of the things that you've already talked about could be true. And Mm -hmm. I won't have any insightful like comments to make until further along in the series. Yeah, I do think, I mean, I I think it it would have been very easy for the show not to have, to have excluded all of the (laughs) stuff about Melfi having sort of a crisis of, conscious or crisis of confidence, whatever you want to call it about treating Tony again. Like that's not necessarily necessary. I think to move the plot forward and to get where we're going. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it it is maybe them trying to take a swing and try something different than, you know, maybe what a quote unquote lesser show would do. I Um, think they're trying to build the foundation of what will be like a major, I mean, of course it's going to be a major relationship that's, Sh- you know in the show it's just boring right now <laughs> you know what yeah, i mean like yeah, yeah no i i think tony um you know I, I think the point is that like tony and his crew are like a like a tornado and you know anything that that comes into its path gets caught up in it um you know i i think that we've seen that with Artie and his restaurant and we're seeing it with melfi too you know two otherwise legitimate enterprises that well, I guess Melfi, for the time being, other than providing advice on how to be a more efficient mobster, and certainly uh, Artie for becoming a hangout for uh, you know mobsters. Uh, you know, I, I think you know uh, that's what I'm seeing is Tony and them are just going to be are just going to get people caught in in their vortex, and they're going to shake them and ruin them. I think we'll just have to see how it all goes down. Yeah. What happens next? Um, So uh, I think that wraps up our, our storylines, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, The episode. Um, All right. So who was horniest this episode? Hesh. Hesh. Oh he, yeah, Hesh. I forgot Hesh was yeah. doing stuff. Yeah, he uh, he had himself a nice little paramour, and uh, Tony comes over to cock block for a minute. Um, That's right. But uh, you know, I, I'm going with Hesh on this one. Ah, uh, I think they were all, a lot of a lot of there are a lot of horny characters this this week. Richie and Janice, Tony and Irina. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I, I agree with you, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to Hesh. I think I'd agree that Hesh is the horniest of all of them. Tony's more interested in in ben. grabbing balls than draining his. So uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just trying to introduce. I mean, sometimes we can't think of a single person who's horny. Correct. 
Uh, and it's a, it's a bit of a story. There's not a lot of sex in this episode. Um, Ew. So. <laughs> That's the only reason I watch HBO. That's not uh, entirely true, but it's also not entirely untrue. That's mm-hmm. what they're counting on. Uh, okay, so uh, uh, Ben, what did you want in your mouth? Put it in my mouth. She said, "Put it in her mouth." Mouth. Yeah. I mean, her motherfucking mouth. Well, um, I wanted there was something on a tray that Carmelo was walking around with at the party, and whatever that was, I'm sure it was awesome, and I wanted it in my mm. mouth. Rachel, I wanted some of that one? delicious cigarette ash mozzarella. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that is a nasty scene where he is just squeezing that cheese in that water over and over again. And his ash on that cigarette is a good two inches long. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's going, it's going to go in the cheese. <laughs> I um, mean, I think the cheese was probably very good. He probably knew what he was doing, you know, so. Oh, for sure. Um, and that brings me to what I want in my mouth, which is I want Furio's fist in my mouth. Now, next. <laughs> The snow, I, uh, the the quail and sausage that already served. Oh my god! That sounds very good. Quail stuffed with fennel sausage. Yeah. And all the guys were like turning their nose up at it, and I was like, Nah, dude, that sounds fucking dope. They somehow were able to make that dish uh, into a homophobic. <laughs> oh my god! Session. It was nuts. Yeah. At least still had a good joke. You know, but yeah. Fuck, come on, Polly. Polly. <laughs> What is, Phil was like, oh, did I see this ticket of shit in the yard? The park, uh, the park or whatever, yeah. <laughs> Funny. It's good. John, uh, okay, so, yours, the biggest fan. This is Stan. My Stan of the week, she didn't do much, but what she did was good and powerful. <laughs> yeah. It was Carmella for slamming the doors in junior space. Hell yeah. Uh, queen shit, Carmella uh, Stan. Of course. Yeah. So I made it easy. Rachel, how about you? I think I stan... You know what? I think I stan Adriana. I think she did a good thing by getting Chrissy's classes. I think she puts up with him. I think she's way too motherfucking nice to him. But she's... She's good. Oh. Hey, shut up. (laughs) No. BJ, shush. BJ... Who do you stand? She stands Artie because he makes the spicy ah! meat. Bo- oh, God, God damn it. Ben, do you stand Furio? I kind of want to stand Furio. He's so good, but I no. already chose. No, I don't, I don't stand him. How uh, can you? You can't stand Furio this episode. I think Maybe another episode, but not this one. Go no. ahead, Ben. <laughs> Whatever. So I think my stand of the week is the acting teacher. Um, okay. She uh, <clears throat> she was the appropriate amount of flexible and firm uh, with Chris. You know, she she picked and chose the battles that um, picked and chose the battles that she was going to you know, put up with. She you know, swapped him out, you know, on on one, but she said no, you got to do it. She pushed him. She was um, very uh, complimentary of. Of Chris, I think she she was a good character, and I enjoyed her. I agree, she was good, and she was very like encouraging. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know she reminded Chris, we don't hit, so yeah. all the things you want in a good yes. teacher. 
so uh, every week we also do the dialectic where we go through something that we liked, the thesis, something that we didn't like, the antithesis, and something that we loved, the synthesis. Uh, ben, would you like to go first this week? I, I will, and I'm actually going to try to do a real dialectical analysis. Oh, shit. Wow. So, All right, so, so for the first time ever <laughs> on the podcast, we're, we're going to try to do a real dialectics. Okay, so um, on, on one hand, I did like the acting class. I think the acting class was was good, as I talked about a little bit in the, in the stand of the week. I thought that... Um, the teacher was supportive. You know, everybody in the class was was kind, except for the the goofy "Why don't you cry on command?" guy. Um, you know, and and it was a good environment. But uh, the antithesis is uh, Adriana never should have gotten Chris that acting class. I don't think. You know, she knows she knows Chris um, very well, and she should understand that he is a um, hormonal shitty. Um, you know, emotionally immature person who probably isn't able to handle a group setting with civilians, lack of a better, lack of a better word, isn't capable of being vulnerable. You make him sound like an animal. Yeah. Also, it's not Adriana's fault. Like she's just trying to be nice and a good partner. It's Chris's fucking fault that he this, like this. This we is my dialectical Adriana. analysis. I know, but I. <laughs> Oh, mad at you. Okay, go ahead. I, just wait till the synthesis. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, so you know, I but I I do agree with you. I think it's very funny that uh, very sweet, very thoughtful that you know she thought of Chris after seeing this uh, or went out of her way to find this uh, this class. But I think she should have realized that putting him in that sort of environment where he does have a lot of shit that he's going through emotionally, uh, maybe now is not really the time to to you know let him loose on this by himself uh so i you know I, I don't think that she should have gotten him that class that being said the synthesis here it comes the, the acting class was the best thing that's happened to chris in his life uh at least up until this part of the show did i do it right sure okay so right. actually yeah that's 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 basically how dialectics works so uh so basically my uh, the reason for my synthesis is um, it, was, it gave him, you know, the opportunity to grow and explore uh, certain certain feelings and rip, you know, scabs off of wounds. I guess scabs are, oh, whatever. Let's move on. It's not good to rip scabs off wounds, but go ahead. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, I really liked the assignments that he got uh, and, and how he was able to work his way through who is, you know, who he is, because I think that you know, the selection of the gentleman caller in the glass menagerie and uh, Jim Stark in uh, Rebel Without a Cause, I think those are very deliberate uh, characterizing choices made by Terrence Winter and David Chase to explain, um, you know, at least once we get to the end of the show, end of the episode, Chris has completely rejected his little Tennessee William persona you know he is he's affirmatively rejected being um 
the gentleman caller, and you know he is in desperate need of a strong father figure, much like Jim was. And so uh, that's my actual dialectic, dialectical analysis. Very nice. Uh, yeah, I, I think I would tend to agree with you. I don't. Yeah. I just wanted to see if I could do it. You did it, buddy. <laughs> you resolved the. You introduced the contradiction, and then you resolved the contradiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking nerd. <laughs> I mean, now I just feel like I'm gonna sound like a dumb idiot when I go. No, you'll be fine. Go ahead. We Can love your voice. Go any your... higher. This can't go wrong. Being honest. Uh, I'm going to do it the old-fashioned way this time, but I like doing it the smart way, and I think we should try to do that going forward. So I'm going to commit to being smart. It's okay. You do it every time. (laughs) You you make that commitment for Rachel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you do it and it works, then maybe Ben and I'll do it every time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fine. I'm not going to commit to it unless we're all doing uh-huh. it. <laughs> so I'll uh-huh. try it another time. Anyway, this time it's this normal way. So I, uh, one thing I did not like in this episode is just how, I mean, and uh, listen, we've talked about this. I bring it up every fucking episode. Sometimes the masculinity just like hits you over the fucking head and I cannot stand it. And this was in this episode from the fucking beginning. Like, I think the first words of the episode Somebody called, uh, what's her name? Artie Bucco's wife. A witch, yeah. Like she's got to go get an oil no, change. No, what's her on name, though? Uh, Charmaine. Charmaine. So, no, but they, they call her a witch. They also, I think the first thing that they say in the episode is someone calls her sweetheart or something. It's just, like, mm. very fucking annoying. And then, like, Polly makes the fucking joke uh, that is very upsetting <laughs> and offensive. And then it's just, like, homophobic, and Chris can't deal with his fucking emotions, and it's so stupid. And I'm just like, God, these are such masculine bullshit things, and they're very annoying. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) something Mm -hmm. I did like, I mean, conversely, like, so I didn't like that, but the masculinity is what makes the other things that I liked in the episode great. So one is that they're setting up <clears throat> Furio as Chris's foil. And I really enjoyed that. Like, see, I mean, they just, that was like a very uh, methodic way of doing that. Like Chris, they show Chris trying to do A in the beginning. And then they introduce Furio and they show him doing B or doing A successfully. Whatever. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can't wait to see where that goes. And I'm sure Chris will be jealous because he, his little daddy, his daddy, Tony, is has a new uh boy toy (laughs) a new sub um (laughs) we we almost went without any rachel's kink corner Mm -hmm. tell me i'm wrong (laughs) anyway uh and then when uh one thing i loved and we talked about it already but was the acting and john you were talking about like actors do playing actors <clears throat> i love that and i think mm-hmm. when it's done well it's really fun 
And I think that the acting class specifically when uh, Chris is doing um, the scene where he cries, I think that it it's so great because you see this like array of emotions from the actors in their acting style. And it's very cool. It's great. Right. So um, kudos to the actors in that scene. I... I slander actors a lot because I think they're <laughs> hot idiots, but I will say, and a lot of them are, let's be honest. But some There's a lot of, of himbos. Truly, a lot of himbos. Some of them are truly talented people, and I think that uh, that was great. Very nice. Um, uh, so I will do mine in, uh, in uh, also in the, uh, the incorrect way. Um, <laughs> so uh, my thesis... Uh, I like we're sort of resetting to season one. Uh, Melfi's back. Irina's back. Uh, Tony's having uh, psychological issues again. Uh, we're sort of getting a nice reset early in season two of like, we sort of blew everything up at the end of season one. We've spent a couple episodes, but now we're getting back the whole, you know, the gang's getting back together and, uh, and we're going to get uh, some more similar dynamic maybe to what we got in season one. Um, so I thought that was done w- really well. And I thought the show, uh, one of the most frustrating things to me that a show can do is uh, like blow everything up at the end of the season. First se- first episode back, everything's resolved. Everything's back to normal again. I like that they took their time to, you know, show us what life was like after everything blew up. Um, so I thought that was that was handled really well. Mm-hmm. Um, my antithesis, something that I didn't like, um, even though it's a great scene and it's acted very well and it's shot very well, I don't like it when Furio punches that lady in the mouth. Like, that's very upsetting. It's very visceral. And just, like, I, like, I feel like every time I watch it, my reaction is, oh, shit. Uh, even turned I turned away from the fight coming. scene. Yeah, yeah, it's it's rough. It's bad. And then the the shit he does afterwards of like pretending like he's gonna hit her to make her cry, and then like laughing at that's it. like super brutal and very upsetting. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I don't, I didn't like that part. Um, my synthesis, um, that last scene where Tony is back in therapy, um, Melfi asks him what do you want? And anytime a character asks another character, what do you want? It's time to pay attention. Uh, And Tony says that he wants total control. Um, And I think it's a great way of sort of setting up that Tony's leadership style and how he wants to rule the mob now that he's boss, uh, which is basically what the the theme of season two so far, Um, you know, he's had leadership challenges from, um, from Richie and, um, you know, trying to take over in, in Junior's footsteps. Um, what he wants more than anything is total control. Uh, and as Melfi tells, tells him, nobody gets total control. You can't have it. Um, and I don't think that's going to be good enough for Tony. So uh, we're going to get to see him work through some more of these issues in therapy. But um, yeah, that was the thing that I really liked. I really liked boiling him down um, and just showing like the thing that, his char- that is driving his character at this point is his desire for total control. Um, so that was my, that was our dialectic. First time on the pod, uh, I said on the pod drink first time on the pod, uh, John has actually, um, 
stood up for human traffickers. So good for you, John. Uh, wait, when did I stand up for human traffickers? Yeah, you. Uh, oh, because the lady gets punched in the face. <laughs> I cannot believe. Wow. I cannot like. I cannot like the lady getting punched in the face, and also not be okay with human traffickers. Right there's your dialectic. You could do it right yeah, there. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, uh, it's bad to human traffic, and it's bad to punch people. Uh, but it's also bad to punch people in the face. Synthesis uh, treat people uh, kindly uh, and like they're human beings, even if they do despicable things. Sounds good. Sounds good. Dialectics. <laughs> yeah, we're learning. Christ. It's taken six months for us to do this. Uh, can you, can you, can in the show notes or on Twitter, uh, can you put like some resources for people to read to learn about dialectics and how it works? For the listener. Oh, right. For the listener. I thought you were making fun for the listener, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> she definitely means for the listener, too. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> After signing us all up to get proper <laughs> dialectics every week. She wants uh, to do a dialectic, and she doesn't know what they are. Y'all motherfuckers are such fucking nerds. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Like, and it, it's so... Whatever. <laughs> I don't know how to like Ben with his fucking. This is what the glass menagerie is about. Like, it's so apparent that I am a fucking like liberal arts freak nerd. Uh, uh, we are too. Yeah. Did, but in what? What were your majors? English. Poli sci. Ben, you okay? Poli sci doesn't count. Ben, you were an English major. I was. Mm-hmm. Huh. I- as John Mulaney said, I got a degree in a language I already speak. That's shocking to me that you're an English major. Okay, but great. He's not a STEM lord. What did you think he was? I poli sci. I thought you were mm. both, or I would think Ben would be history, maybe. Nope. Wow. I like poetry. That's my vice. Like who? Huh? Who? Nikki Giovanni. <laughs> Anybody Teju else? Cole. I don't know, man. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I obviously I believe you. E. e. Cummings, Pablo Neruda. Those are the only poets I know. I just, this is Homer. Homer. <laughs> no, fuck that. All right, I think we're done oh. with this episode, right? What do we? What's our uh, next episode? I think we are done with this episode, uh, Ben. And you know that every mm-hmm. episode you catch me off guard, even though we do it the same every week. <laughs> The next episode, uh, episode six of season two, is called The Happy Wanderer. Oh, real quick. The title of this episode is Big Girls Don't Cry. Uh, Obviously, that is a reference to uh, both. They play the song in the episode uh, and also uh, Chris cries. Uh, And so Chris uh, is the big girl. (laughs) The titular titular big girl. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, What a massive human. Uh, that was a good one. That's a good episode. It's um, a good episode. Yeah, it and, might even be a grep episode. And you know what? I think after watching that episode, Perhaps. I think I do want to watch the next Sopranos episode. Believe it or not. Good, Rachel. Do you want to watch the next Sopranos episode? Yes. <laughs> okay. No, y'all. I've been. I you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, sure. I hadn't watched watched it since we did our last record. So I just like was, whoosh. And I've been binging Twin Peaks season three. So to be honest with you, I'd rather watch another episode of Twin Peaks season three. But I am excited to continue this podcast. (laughs) All right. So uh, I'm I'm ready to watch the next episode. Uh, I'm going to watch Twin Peaks season one. Uh, Wonder what's going to happen with old Laura Palmer. Anyway. (laughs) John, uh, do you think I'm going to like this next episode? The next episode, boy, oh boy. Um, what is it? Up? Oh, shit. Yeah, this next episode is... Is it this one? Yeah, it's good. It's a real good one. Is it? All right. You know what? Yes. I'm gonna yeah, this is a good episode. And get myself hyped up. Okay, all right. Well, I'm looking you... forward to the Happy Wanderer. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a, a really good episode. Um, we get to see Tony do some truly... Uh, despicable things uh and we get to see the mob do some cool shit and we have some uh quote-unquote celebrity cameos in the next episode so i'll tease that Mm. a little bit uh at least what these guys would consider a celebrity so uh all right uh anything else before we close it up for the uh hopefully by the time this is released we'll be out of quarantine uh there's oh by the time this is released yeah three years from now (laughs) uh, yeah come on Come on. I need something to look forward to. Yeah, hopefully we'll soon be out of quarantine. Maybe. So uh, that does it for us this week. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Pod Sopranos. Uh, We do have a Patreon, uh, and uh, you can follow us all individually on Twitter as well. Um, We love you very much. Uh, Please take care of yourselves. Until next week, take your medication, go to therapy, uh, and organize for the revolution. Wash your stank ass and hands. Love you. Oh, my God. Love y'all. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. I don't know what this world is coming to. Yes. The rhythm, the rebel, without a pause, I'm lowering my level. The hard drama, where you never been, I'm in. You want styling? You know it's time again. D, the enemy, telling you to hear it. They praise the music, it's time to play the lyrics. Some say no to the album, the show, but much the sound. I made a year ago, I guess you know. You guess I'm just a radical, not on sabbatical, yes, to make it critical. The only part of your body, chipping part in two. Pass the power on the hour from the rebel to you. Hey, yo, Chuck, man, I'm on
Hopefully by the time this is released, we'll be out of quarantine.